What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Blog Talk Radio. You are now listening to the Pancakes and Power Slam Show by Crave Wrestling on Blog Talk Radio. Be sure to follow Crave Wrestling on Twitter at Crave Wrestling and join the Facebook fan page, Crave Wrestling. Episode 255, ladies and gentlemen, this is the Pancakes and Power Slam Show special Valentine's Day edition that somehow the 255th week of the Pancakes and Power Slam Power Show landed right on Valentine's Day. Uh, so why not bring someone who not only uh, had an affair, quote-unquote, with Daniel Bryan, not only tried to get uh, tried to win the heart of Braxton Sutter, uh, but she also showed uh, just a, a little flirtatiousness during her time at Tough Enough. So when, without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, TNA's 
Laurel Van S. How are you tonight, ma'am? I'm good. Thank you for having me. Awesome, awesome. So, uh, yeah, so you've been in business uh, for a few years now, uh, still in your mm-hmm. mid-20s, still got uh, so much to go, but even in this these few years of, of wrestling, uh, you've already been on Tough Enough, you're, you're a TNA star, uh, and you, you're in a major WWE angle. Now, you were yeah. trained, yeah, hey, only in a few years, <laughs> how about that? Um, it's crazy. It sure is, absolutely. So, you were trained by Lance Storm, right? Yes, I was. Yep, in 2014. Wow. So what made you, I mean, you know, a lot of people uh, saw just the desire that you had and how good you were doing your time and Tough Enough. What was it that you that made you know uh, that this is, professional wrestling is it. This is, this is the way to go. This is where I want my career path to be. Well, it's funny because I actually wasn't allowed to watch wrestling growing up. So I didn't grow up, um, you know, like some diehard wrestling fan. I I watched it. Uh, Don't get me wrong. I snuck upstairs and I was able to watch it, um, but not very often. Mm -hmm. So I actually kind of fell into it. I was living in um, Calgary, Alberta, Canada, um, which, of course, is where the Heart Dungeon was. A lot of the hearts came out of that school. And then, of course, Lance Storm Wrestling Academy. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was living there, and I became a little bit complacent with my life at the time. And um, was doing homework one night, and Monday Night Raw was on TV. And I don't know what it was, but something in my mind clicked. Like, oh, my God, I want to I do that. Like, what am I doing sitting on the couch? I want to be a wrestler. And I had never stepped in a ring. I had only been to one WWE show in my life ever, a very small house show in my hometown. Um, and within that week, I had contacted Lance and – um, was ready to go to my first, uh, you know, lesson at, at Storm Wrestling Academy, and I stepped in that ring, and I immediately knew that this was something that I was born to do. Nice. That's awesome. Now, what type of nuggets did you get from uh, the great Lance Storm? Oh, gosh. Honestly, he has taught me 99.9% of what I know mm-hmm. right now. It's unbelievable. You know, he doesn't just teach you how to lock up, how to take a bump. He teaches you everything from interacting with fans and with your coworkers to locker room etiquette to, um, you know, how to deal with stress on the road and, and um, the, the um, you know, importance of staying away from drugs and alcohol. Like, he is such an amazing teacher. I couldn't even narrow down you know the best parts of of what he's taught me because he continues to teach me mm-hmm. yeah that's that's awesome so he, so even a few years after um there he's continuing to influence you yeah definitely well you know there's a lot of things that he taught me in those 3 months of his um his training that I now have started to understand because as you grow as a wrestler and and um kind of figure out who you are things start to click and and things he used to say to me um you know when I was training that I maybe didn't understand then I understand now and on top of that I do go um back to Calgary and train with them a little bit every now and then mm-hmm. nice that is absolutely amazing so I mean just we we're talking about this fast track and to you and to so much television exposure a year you know after <laughs> you got trained uh you got you, you landed 
uh, a spot uh, in well the same year, right? There was a, month, a few months yeah. uh, with the the Megan Miller thing with Daniel Bryan a year after, uh, you know, you you got that tough tough enough uh, spot. How in the world were you chosen out of every person, any possible person? How did <laughs> Megan Miller come about, and how were how are you the chosen one? Well, to be honest, you know. I thought about that for quite a long time. I thought like, why me? I don't understand why me. There's so many amazing girls out there that want this and so many amazing indie wrestlers. But at the end of the day, I, after getting that spot as Megan Miller, did not leave WWE alone until I was hired in some form. And I'm sure they'd say the same thing if you asked them, you know, every five to six weeks, I emailed them, I called them, I checked up, I made sure they knew, you know, that I had done new shows, that I had got new promo pictures, that I had new gear, that my hair was different. Like, it didn't matter what it was. I made sure that my name was always um, on their minds. And I think that's what really helped me. On top of that, um, I was very new. So I didn't have, you know, Although I really did have an edge against the, the other females, um, knowing the wrestling industry, having worked on the indies for a little bit, I didn't have the same exposure as some of the indie girls who have done Shimmer and who have gone to Japan. Um, I didn't have that yet. So I still was very new where, you know, we were, on the, we were all on the same page um, skill-wise in different areas. I could wrestle. But, you know, some of the girls could lift, some of the girls could run, some of them could, you know, were fighters. So we all kind of had an edge in a different way. So I didn't have um, that crazy advantage. But I, I still, to this day, you know, I think, oh, my gosh, what an amazing opportunity they gave me, you know? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you went straight to being involved and an angle with Stephanie McMahon. I mean, that's people people who've been in the in the in the company for years. You know, dream of that opportunity. So yeah, that's that's absolutely awesome. So, who? I mean, how did it all come about? How how did the storyline play? Of course, at that time, you know, Brie Bella and Dan Bryan, which you know are married now and about to have a kid, um, and. At that time, you know, there was uh, a big feud going on between Brie Bella and Stephanie McMahon, uh, which, led to, which led to a major match. And how was it, you know, that, that it all came about? Like you were who, – who called you? And, you know, just kind of, just kind of relive all that for, for the listeners as far as who came out with the angle and what were – you know, of course, we saw your part on Raw – but how hard nervous were you at the time? Well, I, um, I had just come out of training. I was three months out of training. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got a call asking if I would like to be a rosebud. So, of course, I said yes. I was extremely excited. And on the second day of being a rosebud, um, I believe we were in Yakima, Washington, which is like such a tiny, tiny little town. Um, you know, it took me like six hours to drive there. I was so excited to be a Rosebud. And they said, um, we want you to come in for uh, Raw tomorrow, and we have a little part for you. So I thought, well, that's cool. Okay, no problem. I'll be there, you know. Um, I came in. I, I did the same thing I had done the last two days. I, you know, changed with all the Rosebuds and got ready. And then um, 
one of the one of the kind of backstage helpers at Raw pulled me aside um, and said, "We just need you um, to come over here. We're going to chat with you a bit about your little part today." And they actually walked me in to the room, uh, and in front of me was Triple H, Stephanie, and Vince McMahon. <laughs> and immediately in that moment, I thought oh my God, this is way bigger than I could have ever thought it would be. I had no idea what I was getting myself into. Um, they handed me a script and they said, okay, come to the ring in an hour. Be ready. And I'm like, okay. And I'm reading the script. And one of the names on the script says Stephanie and one says Megan. And I'm going through it and I'm like, I have no idea what this is. Like, I mean, I'm not Stephanie. So am I Megan? Like, who is Megan? Well, I don't, I still didn't understand. It didn't really click until... I started thinking, okay, well, I'm going to memorize this Megan person's lines, um, and I hope that that's what they want me to do. You know, I didn't really get much instruction. Um, and I came up to the ring, and <laughs> sure enough, we're going over the lines, and, you know, they want me in the middle of the ring with a microphone telling everybody on TV one week before SummerSlam that I slept with Daniel Bryan. Um and, yeah, in that moment, I will never forget um, Vince McMahon standing in front of me, listening to me, Stephanie McMahon standing beside me, and then all of the wrestlers around the ring listening to me. It was – that alone was one of the scariest moments, just saying those words out loud. Yeah. Um, never mind being on TV in front of, you know, millions of people and, and everybody tuning in to watch the storyline come together before – SummerSlam, um, but it was a sink or swim situation that they put me in, and I love that. I Those are the situations that I work best in, is under pressure, and I knew that this was my chance. If I want a tryout, you know, if I want a Diva tryout, if I want to make an impact in this company, I need to nail this promo, and I went out there, and, you know, my acting skills were awful, but it was a, it was a ridiculous and great mini little angle I had for three minutes and I loved it. I soaked it all in. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's one of the most memorable angles in the past few years for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> so you were selected as a, uh, as an alternate for, for tough enough, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and, and, and how, how did that come about? Like, did they remember you when you submitted your, your information? And, uh, you know, how was it that, um, if I'm not mistaken, you were an alternate, and how did they how did they go through the you know the selection process of, of of finding you? How how did that go about as far as picking you for tough enough? And did they again did they know you before they looked at your tape? Uh, well, I didn't send anything in. I had um, I had been at a tryout. Um, so six months after I did Megan Miller, I was called in for a uh, Divas tryout. Mm -hmm. And I did that tryout, and at the tryout, they were scouting for Tough Enough. Okay. Um, so almost, you know, almost all of the people at the tryout, uh, the ones that had big personalities, were uh, taken aside and put on camera and asked to just just talk, you know, just talk about whatever you wanted. They asked a couple questions um, just to see how you dealt with the camera. And um, I did that and was um, asked, to come back for the three-day tryout camp for Tough Enough. Um, 
and that's when they narrowed it down. And of course, there was, gosh, some of the most beautiful and fit people I've ever seen in my life at this trial for Tough Enough. So I initially didn't make the cut, but I was told if anything happens to one of the contestants, you will be called in um, as you're an alternate. So, which um, they have clips of that on on the Tough Enough, um, you know, behind the scenes footage. Um, and, you know, lucky enough for me, I'm lucky for another contestant. She dropped out and I was more than willing to take her place. Yeah. And you were one of the most polished uh, female contestants uh, on, on Tough Enough, but you finished fourth place. And I, I watched all of it week after week. I covered, I covered every week. I covered it every week here on my show. Um, and cause it was very interesting. I think this tough enough, uh, was, was a bit interesting than the other ones. Uh, I think the other ones started to get a bit, a bit diluted, but this was good. I mean, you had a star studded lineup. You had Daniel Bryan, you had the Miz, you had Hulk Hogan, you had, uh, Chris Jericho. Uh, so, you know, I think, I think they put a lot, in, in, in this one, you finished fourth place. Uh, surprise to to many, uh, and and how, what were your thoughts on that? I mean, you know, here's the thing, though. You finishing fourth place, you know, was a, a proverbial blessing in the skies because it landed you in a very very good spot now. So it all it really all worked out. Yeah, it did, and and you know, the minute that they sent me home, I was heartbroken. You can see it in my face. I immediately went backstage and cried. And then, and then I thought, no, this, you know what? No, this isn't something to cry about. I don't need to be on reality TV to make it. I never did need to be on reality TV to make it. This was just a stepping stone to get somewhere that was even greater. And um, I was, I was very, very hurt and upset when I heard that a lot of the cast of Tough Enough was signed and they hadn't reached out to me that hurt more than being kicked off of some silly reality show. You know what I mean? I did my best. And I think that everyone saw that I deserved to be in the final two of tough enough, but I wasn't. And you know, like life isn't fair. So that's okay. It, It just, it hurt me not getting that call later on after being put through so much on tough enough, you know, going, going through basically every week with a sprained ankle that was sprained so bad that it took me about four months to heal it. Yet I was running the ropes and body slamming the girls better than they were. Mm-hmm. So, so when it came down to it, I thought, wow, I pretty sure I showed athleticism and heart and, you know, everything that you would, you would think they would want a diva to be. And yet they didn't want me, but I decided I can't dwell on it. You know, I need to show them what they're missing out on. I need to show them that, I'm going to make it whether they want me or not. And I'm going to make them want me. And I think that's what I did. I spent that next year, um, you know, going to India, going to Japan. I broke my collarbone in and rehabbed it within six weeks, which is absolutely unheard of. I, um, you know, ended up on national TV for tough enough or sorry for um, TNA. And I just, I kind of did everything I wanted to do in that next year and and I people started to notice and that's that's all I can ask for. Oh yeah, absolutely. And especially now, 
Uh, there's a big angle going on with you and Braxton Sutter um, during your time here in Impact Wrestling as Laurel Van Ness. Um, first of all, how did Laurel Van Ness, where did that name come from? And, uh, you know, how were you selected to be in, in an angle with Ali and, uh, and um, Maria Canellis uh, Bennett? Uh, you know what? I can't answer either of those. I, it's just how it works backstage. They, you know, there's so many um, creative minds back there that are kind of always plotting and always um, coming up with new storylines. And that's just kind of what my character fell into. And I think it's so perfect for um, the Laurel Van Nest character because she is very evil. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, very. You know, and it, it's perfect. It's such a good storyline to get someone um, hated. Yeah, yeah. So big, uh, big angle, big thing coming up, big uh, wedding, so to speak, coming up with Braxton Stutter. What, what should the, the viewers uh, of Impact Wrestling expect? Oh my gosh, absolute mayhem! I cannot wait for everyone to see this. You know. Um, I think uh, a lot of people started tuning into uh, Impact Wrestling again with the with the Hardys doing all their crazy stuff, and I think that this is just going to give all the viewers another reason to stay tuning in and and um, hopefully pull in some new audience as well. Yeah. It is just chaos. I can't wait for you guys to see it. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, she's a very devious heel, Chelsea Green, also known as Laurel Van Ness in Impact Wrestling. Uh, where can the listeners uh, find you? Um, oh, gosh, I'm so bad with this. I always forget my own um, social media handles. But let me see if I can get this right. You can go onto Facebook, um, look up Chelsea Green. There's my fan page there. You can go on to Twitter, at ImpactLVN. And Instagram, Chelsea A. Green. Fantastic. Do you have any Valentine's Day uh, advice to people? Do you have a Valentine of your own? Oh, my goodness. You know what my Valentine is today? The gym. I, <laughs> no joke, am at the gym for the second time today while I'm talking. Wow, nice. That's awesome. So my Valentine's advice is don't eat too much chocolate and make sure you get to the gym. <laughs> there you go. Fantastic advice. <laughs> Thanks a lot. I really appreciate your time. And once again, ladies and gentlemen, all the listeners, she's got some very devious things coming up with Impact Wrestling, <laughs> so be sure to check it out. Appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you. Have a good night. Have a good night. Bye-bye. Laurel Van Ness, ladies and gentlemen, from TNA, also known as Chelsea Green from Tough Enough. Um, yeah, she's doing some great things, man. She's only 25 years old. She'll be 26 here in a couple of months. Young talent, been there for, uh, been a wrestler for three years, but already has uh, been Daniel Bryan's alleged affair, uh, been on Tough Enough, fourth place, and now making some huge noise in Impact Wrestling as Laurel Van Ness. So uh, Impact Wrestling, uh, there's a big angle going on. Uh, so tune in to uh, Impact Wrestling this week to see. And, uh, yeah, she'll be she'll be on there. And she's making some very devious uh, actions with her character. So 
Yeah, she's been uh, she's been doing it really good, uh, and, and you can tell that's a Lance Storm type of thing. It's just really just the cadences and knowing how to work um, the heel role uh, from a, from an acting standpoint <clears throat> as well. And she's been a great competitor too. She showed that on Tough Enough. So uh, Impact Wrestling, ladies and gentlemen, um, you know I've I've had my fair share of, uh, of ups and downs uh, to critique uh, Impact Wrestling, but uh, she's definitely one of those characters on Impact that uh, will keep you coming um, uh, to, to to continue the, the continue the listeners and I mean the the the, the viewers to to continue their interest in Impact Wrestling. I mean, of course, like she said with Matt Hardy and Jeff Hardy. And Vanguard One and all the everybody in the Hardy compound. It's wonderful, yes. Uh, but you know, there's de- there's definitely some 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 talent. I've always said with the, with Impact Wrestling, uh, the talent roster is is still very very good. Um, so that's definitely not the the thing to complain about. Ladies and gentlemen, we have such an action packed evening tonight. Uh, we have just. Our guest tonight, of course, we have our wonderful, wonderful uh, co-host from Under the Mat Radio, Evan Prout. Uh, he is coming on tonight. How are you tonight, sir? Doing good. Live, live, live. Absolutely. And our, and our uh, special guest tonight is from Forbes Magazine, from Bleach Report. He was my fellow uh, feature columnist for Bleach Report for a number of years. Uh, he is one of the biggest villains on Bleach Report. I haven't read Bleach Report's articles in quite some time. Um, I just haven't got to, to reading it, but I think I may read read stuff again. I was a feature columnist there for over three years and uh, um, went to uh, different uh, greater heights with uh, Sports Illustrated and Fox Sports uh, freelancing there, and of course now with uh, Sports, Sports Kita and The Inquisitor. Speaking of Sports Kita, this guy also does his own uh, SmackDown review uh, and and some 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 pay-per-view previews and all types of video stuff with Sports Kita. So uh, he is once again my coworker. So once again, it's great to have you uh, working side to side, my Harlem Heat tag team partner, ladies and gentlemen, Big Nasty Alfred Konoa. How are you tonight, sir? What is going on? What a great intro. I mean, I, I can't I can't live up to all that, you know, great stuff you said about me. You read all my credits. You did forget one thing though, and that one thing is that I, I am also your Valentine tonight. So it's just an honor all across the board. <laughs> yeah. Uh I well well yeah, I you know, I to, to all the listeners that we have, we're about fifteen thousand now and uh um all of you uh, who are listening to the show tonight. Um, I, the cat's out the back, you know, uh, people do know that I'm <laughs> married with two kids, but, uh, thanks for letting everyone know, Alfred. Um, yeah, I felt that, uh, our love is too real to keep it sealed up. That's right. Uh, Bay. And it's such, and it's such great news. And it, it's okay. Is it all right if I call you AK, Alfred? It's such great news. Absolutely. That AK and uh, Stonefather Valentine's with, with with the history of how wrestling has been with the bromances, the Kevin Owens and Jericho, you got Kevin Christopher Daniels, you have you know Billy and Chuck. Everybody's turning against their fellow brethren, so I say Stonefather, watch out. AK might uh, throw you in front of a monitor. Nice segue. You, uh, you know. 
WrestleMania is just around the corner, so we could set something up between me and you never know. Oh, yeah. That's right. There's about six weeks left. Yeah, that's right. And there's a lot of time. And he will tell us every single day. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Speaking of a lot of time, we got uh, <laughs> we don't have that. We got uh, about an hour to talk about uh, all the stuff going on. So, without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, headlines. Here we go. As we're joking about uh, Valentine's Day and uh, and and. and things of that nature. I, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely sad, uh, to bring it down on a somber note, unfortunately. Uh, however, I do want to take this time to share some stories about, uh, Chavo Guerrero senior to spin it to a positive note of, of course he passed away, um, recently within the past few days. And, um, yeah, he Chavo classic, ladies and gentlemen, the father of Chavo Guerrero jr. Uh, he, uh, famous, uh, famous competitor for a number of years, uh, m- made his time in WWE, uh, as the, uh, as Chavo classic <laughs> former cruiserweight champion. How about that? So, uh, let's, let's just, uh, you know, uh, we'll see condolences and our, our prayers go out to the, the Guerrero family. Very poignant statement that, uh, Chavo Jr. made on Instagram, uh, when the when the passing around the passing and when it was announced, so yeah, we definitely uh, offer our condolences to uh, the Guerrero family. Let's uh, spin it to a positive, and uh, uh, we'll start with uh, Alfred. Uh, let the listeners know your uh, memorable Chavo Classic moments. Uh, I love the Chavo Classic character. Uh, first off, and I'll get to that in, in a second, but. I just think Chavo Guerrero as a wrestler, he was always one of the more underrated professional wrestlers in history. Like, in his prime, I don't think his level of um, expertise in wrestling, the level that he could go, ever matched how he got booked. I mean, he could arenas, he could draw tickets, he could always carry anybody in a match, and he was just a really good wrestler. Uh, but but I think he was always kind of booked beneath that. Just a very underrated guy. That's what I'm always going to remember about him. And it was really actually very... Um, you know, feel good to see him as a Chavo Classic character because he didn't take himself so seriously. It was pretty self-aware, although I would hear backstage stories about how he would, you know, he really kind of took himself maybe too seriously as a Cruiserweight champion. When it, was, it was kind of a joke, and he did a good job as like a, as like a comedy uh, gimmick, and I just thought it was so good um, to see him, you know, kind of as like an older Cruiserweight, but he just did really well. He could still go. He could still work like an old man style and do moonsaults and stuff like that. So I just thought he was always a very talented, underrated talent. Indeed. Evan, you have some actual stories from a Chavo classic uh, uh, based on uh, your, your interaction with uh, him and his family. Yeah, yeah, Chavo, um, yeah, former guest on my show. Chavo uh, Sr. was on my show about the uh, middle of 2013. Um, we talked on Facebook and all camera. Very good guy, very uh, – very, very laid back, but had like a little intensity to him. But he was, he was real fun, um, fun to talk to. You. I know we we talked a lot off air and on on my show. You can listen. I sent sent you, uh, um, Chris, the link uh, where you know he talked about beer and how much uh, he liked drinking cheap beer and um, you know just working in the yeah. business. And um, he was a good guy. Like you said, very underrated. I, is a lot of times in the business you hear people talk about the families, you know, the hearts and the hennings and but, but I always feel the Guerreros 
never fully get that D because a lot of the four kids to the day or you know, they always say Addy, Addy, Addy and you know, or, you know, travel junior, but it's like do your research. Gory Guerrero, Mondo and yep. and you know, you got Hector and Travel Senior was just great, you know, that the world class matches were great and wrestling in Mexico. So I mean Travel always kept himself up uh kept himself up well. Um, and I that's my sports was maybe a year or so ago on Facebook just checking up on him and he was always a good spurt. Um yeah. you know, same way with, you know, I'm also good friends with Hector uh, Guerrero. Um two two they sound similar on the phones. It's weird because Hector sounds like Eddie, but you know Hector is more laid back and calm. You could always get like an undertone of how Travel singing. This isn't a negative. It's a good thing how he was intense and you know you didn't want to mess with Travel singing. So he he definitely will be missed. He also said on on my show, don't call him a Travel Classic. He's even called me Travel <laughs> Travel Singer. <laughs> so, <laughs> but a very good guy. Very very good guy. Yeah. He'll be missed. Yeah, indeed. Um, yeah, Chavo, <laughs> Chavo Senior. I can see him saying something like that. Uh, but you know, the the mainstream fans know him well as Chavo Classic. And you made a really good point, Evan, as far as uh, the the Guerrero name. I think Guerrero is one of the best, you know, families, wrestling families in pro wrestling history. And you know, listen, uh, you know, you, you also talked about, you know. Eddie and, and Chavo Jr. Uh, but yeah, the, the lesser known Guerrero names, but we forget that Gory is the only one who has a wrestling move named after him. So uh, right. the Gory, yeah, the Gory yeah, special. special. So, yeah. Remember the Gory bomb. Yeah. The Gory yeah, bomb as well. The Gory bomb. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I so, think the fans, uh, sent, fans sent me a match. Uh, Chavo Guerrero was seeing against on Anderson that I never knew existed. So on YouTube, oh, wow. I can see you guys the link. So, yeah, that Definitely. sounds great. I'll be very interested in that. Um, taking a very, very steep step down, uh, Rosa Mendez is retiring from uh, professional wrestling. Um, she she never she never really got a chance to be really anything. I mean, she was in the business for ten years, and just jumping. Back and forth from Chavo, I mean, not from Chavo, Carlito and Primo Epico and Fandango and, um, you know, Total Divas and all the other things that she was just involved in. She never really had an opportunity to really gain any steam. She's never been the one. I mean, the first, she was like a plant for. Um, who she came as a plant for who? I don't, I don't know. Back in two, like 2006 or seven, I don't. I, I forgot. <clears throat> but she came in as a plant. Who was it? I can't remember either. I'm trying to remember. It's on the tip of my yeah, tongue. Yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, that's what I was like. Um, who was was it? Candice Michelle. Oh no, she was the she was a fan for San. Wasn't she a fan for Santino? She's like Santino yeah, Marlo's like fan in Beth Phoenix. That's who it was. Beth Phoenix. Yep. Beth Phoenix is a fan. Yeah, she was a she was a fan of Beth Phoenix and, and she was feuding with uh that's when Beth Phoenix was feuding against Melina. So she was right, like attacking exactly. Melina. Okay, that's what it was. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. So that's I mean that was some type of progress or some type of promise to her character, but she never really had an opportunity to deal with it. But the the, the positive note is that she, you know, the fit 
uh, Fit Mamas or Fit by Mamas or something like that. Her her uh, business that she's doing, it, it seems like it's pretty lucrative and, um, you know, she's in a pretty uh, serious relationship, just had a baby. So she's doing some really good things post WWE. Uh, you know, she's uh, 38 or about to be 38, I believe. So, uh, I mean, she's, <laughs> it's, you know, I, I guess, you know, she realized that I'm a 38, I'm about to be 38 years old. I'm not going to be WWE uh, Raw or SmackDown Women's Champion. Uh, and I've got a family to tend to, and that's it. So, Evan, what are your thoughts on Rosa retiring? I mean, it's unfortunate. I, I know she definitely was eye candy. She definitely got my attention, you know, looking at it. I mean, she looked great. Um, but like you said, it just was, you know, the, the wheels on the bus floor didn't go round and round, and she really didn't get a chance to really blossom. I mean, you know, WWE, half the battle was your looks, and even probably two-thirds of it. So she definitely had a look to her. She was a very, very good-looking woman. But, um, yeah, you know, it, and you you got to give her credit. It, it's, you know, she tried. She was in WWE. She tried to do different things, and it just didn't work out. And now she's moving on with her, her family life, and she's start, starting her life. And she was able to say, to hey, you know, I was able to try to do something, and I was there for a hot second. I'm moving on. Where yeah. some stars, they, you know, they just overstay their welcome. Some people only get 15 minutes of fame. And in this mm-hmm. case, you know, that's all she got. But I'm glad she's doing well. Alfred, how much is the WWE Universe going to miss Rosa Mendez? Uh, to be blunt, as much as, you know, I, I did enjoy some more she did. Uh, to be blunt, I don't think, yeah, not that much. You know, <laughs> no one's going to know. I'm not going to to Rosa. I'm saying it as, like, just knowing the WWE Universe, it's just uh, they take their wrestling very seriously, especially W's core audience, how it's kind of become more of a hardcore audience. It's not what yeah. it was in the Attitude Era, where it's just like, uh, you know, they had as many casual fans uh, viewing the product. But uh, Rosa was always kind of mired in this era where it wasn't about women's wrestling as much as it was just kind of models who were trained to wrestle and wrestling may not have been perceived as their passion. So now that we're in this women's revolution where you're seeing the Becky Lynch's and, you know, Mickey James is back and you're seeing Bailey and Charlotte and just pretty much rewrite wrestling. People are going to look back, especially right now at, at Rosa Bendis like, Oh yeah, that's right. She really wasn't one of those wrestlers, you know, uh, which I think is unfortunate because, you know, um, from what I could see, she worked very hard. I remember she went through this stint where, I guess backstage you were saying that she needed to drop weight and they made it a storyline on camera, which is just, you know, one of those things that WWE does to be petty. But, you know, she got herself into great shape. She clearly took this seriously. Um, And, you know, with what she was given, I thought she performed admirably. It's just that she's not going to be remembered as this revered figure. Um, But, again, and Evan hit on this, and I thought this was a great point, talking about life after wrestling. As sad as this makes sound, I always love seeing wrestlers who who have an exit plan because a lot of wrestlers get sucked Mm -hmm. into it and, this business chews you up and spits you out, and, and it's really scary how a lot of wrestlers die young, but she's one of those success stories where maybe her life out of wrestling is going to be way more successful than it ever was in the ring. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I certainly think it's going to be, and you brought up some very good points, especially as far as the, the, the model era when it came to wrestlers. The, the first person I thought about is Kelly Kelly. And, uh, you know, oh, people, gosh. yeah, I mean, people probably yeah. forgot her completely by now. Uh, yeah, so, my, I mean, my personal dislike for her, too, so. Your yeah, personal you know. dislike for her? Yeah, I wasn't a big fan. <laughs> I had a little brush <laughs> against her and her air court assistant, and, you know, uh, she tried to be a little, 
you know, high sick diddy, if you will, as Dusty Rhodes say. But um, I, I, in long story short, not to bury anybody, because we're all professionals here. She thought she was a little higher than what she really is on the totem pole of wrestling. Mm-hmm. And then I had to let her know, and, and just told her up front, I just interviewed Goldberg. I just interviewed, I just interviewed Bischoff. And I'm talking to Jim Cornette. So why would you think I would have to pay to interview you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it did. Yeah. This was face to face. I'm not going to mention what convention because a lot. I'm Featherstone. I'll take y'all off air where this convention is at. All the stars was there. It was tons of legends. You know, Jimmy Snooker, my late great buddy, was there as well. And I have uh, witnesses for my staff, included two other very well successful radio shows in wrestling. And Eric Bischoff himself was there and some other the boys that witnessed that. So so yeah, Kelly Kelly. Wow. You know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there you go. The, you know <laughs> that's one of those things that uh you know, you know, it's so funny. Um <laughs> it's funny that you say about paying for interviews. I I I've had I don't know where I'm at right now. I'm at, I'll am at. i be five years April 3rd, but as far as number of interviews I've had on the show, I don't know, maybe 80 or something. Yeah. I, I, I have no clue. <laughs> right. I think I'm like at the 80 echelon now. But, uh, yeah, I – there was the, – the people – and I'm not going to say names because <laughs> people were just uh, – the exposure this show gets, I'm not going to embarrass anyone. Uh, but the, the, the people who have told me, yeah – uh, I'll do an interview, but I'll pay for it. Uh, just totally just cracks me up. I'm sorry. Maybe, you know, Alfred, do you have any similar stories to that? No, I was going to, I was just about to say, like, I didn't even know that was a thing. Like I, you know, I'm oh, right yeah. over there with you guys in that, like I've done interviews. I've had the honor of doing interviews with some luminaries and I've never once been propositioned to pay for it. Um, so I mean, that's, that's unfortunate. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, DDP didn't have to pay. Jake Roberts didn't have to pay. Rikishi didn't have to pay. I mean, you know, just the the legends that I've that I've interviewed, and then I'll have some. You know, one of the people is a current New Japan wrestler who was formerly in NXT and didn't do anything in NXT. He's kind of doing something in New Japan right now. And uh, yeah, I mean, he was like, yeah, um, you know, I, I charge. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, see ya. <laughs> yeah. No can do. Stone, stone, <laughs> no. Stone, no can do. Stone, stone feather. Yo, yo. Uh, as you know, on the show of AK, now and just let everybody know that listen, we, we're just giving stories. We're all humble and we're blessed to be in a position to interview a Indeed. lot of the likes of WWE, TNA, RH, Leech Underground. We all have friends away for those companies. But the thing that went viral for me, not sure if AK knows, but I know Stone feather knows it all. And a fellow Click member, I'm not mentioning his name, went up to me at a show and was like, wait, you look familiar. Oh, it's when we buried Virgil. Because Sir Virgil, right, the legendary Virgil. Wow. And I'll say his name again, Virgil. Now, Vincent <laughs> told me that we would have to pay $15,000 to get him on <laughs> my show. <laughs> quote, uh, <laughs> and the legit quote, oh, wow. 15000 and and I stayed wow. next to Rob Feinstein, and me and Rob Feinstein laughed at each other because we're buddies. And I know how much Rob paid him for his shoot. It wasn't even a quarter. And I'm not wow. going to mention names. Is that a uh, probably a potential 
WWE Hall of Famer probably for the next couple of years. Uh, definitely a Japan legend and WCW legend. Tried to let me know how much he was going to pay. And I kindly reminded him, because he got my name mixed up, and reminded him that I helped him out to some bookings. And he said, oh, no problem. I don't know. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, the moral of the story of is uh, the moral of the story yeah. is similar to what uh, you said, Alfred, and what Evan said. Uh, this is the exit strategy for professional wrestlers. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me somehow my stock is so high that I'm going to charge someone to interview me when, in fact, uh, a lot of the interviews uh, that people go on. Uh, is you know first of all if you're going to go on an interview i can certainly understand from a wrestling standpoint i just don't want to be on any podcast because there's so many podcasts just roaming around here they're like ants you just have to stay you have to step on the most of them and you know but at the same time if you do your research and you know that the podcast is uh, is legitimate uh and have a very high following uh you know still asking at that time uh, is is yeah. It it makes you it makes you obsolete, as uh, Jeff Harley would say. <laughs> Jeff Harvey would say. Shout yeah. out to uh, uh, Mike Adamley, who's uh, spending yeah. time in the hospital. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's uh, <clears throat> our prayers are for Mike that uh, he'll have a speedy recovery and uh, he'll once again say Jeff Harvey successfully one day. Um, <laughs> next we have a. Uh, Michael, Le- Legends with JBL and uh, Stone Cold Podcast, uh, both are uh, allegedly no longer airing new episodes. JBL basically confirmed it. There's some sources also talking about the Stone Cold Podcast. Alfred, these were two of the best uh, original episodes, orig- original uh, uh, content on the WWE Network. Why in the world would they remove road stories from legends um they really were i completely agree with you as to where these were two of my favorite shows on wwe network because too many times their wwe shows um they're they're just kind of protected and they they don't want to give you the full scope of what's going on like um you know when you see a lot of these shows uh, the opposite of this would be like ww24 where they do show you backstage what's going on you know WWE network has a, a largely hardcore following, and I really love when they have these shows that kind of pull back the curtain, and they don't insult their audience who, you know, go on dirt sheets, and they, they, they know what's going on backstage, and, and they want to know that information. They've got a thirst for this backstage culture of WWE. I thought Austin's podcast did a wonderful job of just having a casual conversation about the real life of professional wrestling, and I thought JBL did an equally as good job. So the fact that these two shows are going away, Mike, represent a sea change in WWE that they no longer want to be the shoot network that maybe they want to broaden their horizons and, and have more shows focused on, you know, th- this kind of low rent reality television that they do. Um, Cause we did see their, their recent uh, earnings reports, which is, you know, I had a study up for an article on sports. They did really well with their TV revenue and the reality television shows and their licensing. It's actually you know producing quite a profit for them. So maybe they're just exploring that more, and they, they don't want to do as much of the um, interview, professional wrestling, like shoot interview type genre. But I really did get a kick out of those shows. Yeah, uh, well said. Evan, your, are your thoughts uh, similar to, uh, compared to uh, the, the the two shows on, on the WWE Network? Yeah, I'm, I'm with AK, uh, man. I, I, I love the um, 
Jibble. I love Jibble's uh, show. <laughs> Shout out to Jibble for, you know, of course, blocking us when we <laughs> blasted him for not clearing his browser history. But I, I, I think <laughs> more so. Why did you have to say that, Michael? Yeah. <laughs> Because, you know, I, I made a tweet and said, you know, breaking news at the Rumble will be, uh, you know, JBL, Jibble versus his um, browser history in the Hell in a Cell. And I ended up blocking us. But it was cool. We was following him no way. Um, I think with, with Jibble, I think it's more so it could be PR move because, you know, with the whole browser history and the whole porn thing and it went viral, now all of a sudden WWE is removing legends. Because if. I I remember everything. If you remember the segment, the whole thing for season two, we still they already did the Jimmy Hart interview that we still haven't seen. Still yeah. haven't been released. He interviewed Jimmy Hart. Um, he interviewed I think one or two other legends. I can't remember. Excuse me, that we just haven't seen just yet. And the last one we did was Bruno, which I really enjoyed. But uh, besides you know Jibble Black and I mean I enjoy Jibble. I like him when. He's able to just talk and, and his perspective. Uh, and for all Stone Cold, I really don't get it. It's, uh, you know, they already four, made it four kids when he interviewed Vince, and he was asking them questions that Vince wasn't expecting. Then he made it four kids where everything was scripted. And you could tell, because I'm sorry, guys, maybe I'm the only one, A.K. and Featherstone, you helped me out. I was so disappointed when he had that podcast with Michael. I was like, what is this? This felt so... Scripted, you know, it didn't feel real. Oh, very contrived. And I was like, yeah, "What is this? This is horrible." I'm like, the, the podcast you did with uh, uh, was it Charlotte? What, 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 um, who was it that Paige? Page was better than, oh, Page was better than that HBK. That was the worst. Yeah, I'm like, I'd rather listen to the Page, um, the, the HBK one than you know, I read the Page one I enjoyed better than the HBK. So they already kind of scaled back on Austin and, and the road stories. Um, I, I enjoyed it too. You know, we all been to shows on the road, and you know, we, I've been privileged to be on the road with some of the boys too. Different things, but I don't know. WWE has been making profits with their reality shows. Just make other reality shows. I don't see the point of getting rid of, like AK. I love the Twenty Four Stories. I love pulling the curtain where we can see like the curtain removed and see the real people instead of because mm-hmm. we see enough of the characters. We we already got. Six, six, seven, eight, nine hours of wrestling a week of the whole as character as we like to see the real people. So what is what is what is that to say? Yeah. Now we're going to get uh, old uh, episodes, more old episodes. The content is going to expand of uh, GWF. So we're going to see uh, Lunatic Larry against uh, uh, Bushwick Jobber. So. That's going to be our uh, our content. <laughs> Although I did enjoy GWF back in the early nineties, but uh, yeah. it's funny. It's funny. I was watching an episode of GWF. I was so uh, I was so disappointed with the Royal Rumble that I, that I was writing oh, about the Royal Rumble right after the Royal Rumble, and as <laughs> I was writing, I was watching GWF. So that <laughs> was that was a way to uh, yeah. somehow. Make me feel better about a very uh, you got to depress it. You got depressed. Yeah, I was. Uh, I, I, if, if I'm not mistaken, Alfred, you actually liked the Royal Rumble match. I thought it was. Uh, I thought it was no good. Um, I thought it was it wretched. Was a, it was a buzz kill with Orton. With Orton winning, but we'll talk about that here here in just a bit. Uh, Kazarian, he joins the Bullet Club. Um, my biggest question to the both of you is: we'll start. We'll start with Evan here. Do you think that the faction has been 
diluted to NWO proportions. <laughs> it's funny. We literally just talked about this an hour or so ago on my show. <laughs> the Bullet Club now has become NWO of 1998, where you have about 35 to 40 members plus another 20 sub members and, and two other. It's, it's getting ridiculous. It, it, at one point, the Bullet Club meant something. You know, you had, you know, of yep. course, AJ, good buddy of mine, AJ, Kenny Omega, the Young Bucks, and I call them Sons of Ming, Ming Sons. Okay, cool. Now you got Cody Rhodes joining. Karak Kazarian joined it, uh, Adam Cole, Adam Page, and it's like, you keep adding all this as a loot, and it's like, who cares now? It's like, cares with the Bullet Club, okay, so what? It, it, it doesn't have that strong feel anymore. It's, getting, it's like Paul Roma was with the Horsemen, or Sid was with the Horsemen. Well, it, it, well, you know, it just doesn't, it's diluted now. It doesn't have that big feel. I'm sorry, I can't forget Anderson and Gallows. When they was in the Bullet Club, it, it worked. It was, it was tough and strong. Yeah, uh, yeah Ballard was in the Bullet Club, bro. Yeah, or Prince I would even dare to say Prince when, Devin. yeah, Prince David, when, when yeah. Adam Cole joined that time with RH and they destroyed everything, you felt it like, yes. But now, if you ain't got nothing else to be creative, just don't with the Bullet Club and it'll work. Yeah. So, Alfred don't care. How about, you know, occasion? Okay, whatever. Yeah. yeah what's frustrating about the Bullet Club is there are so many parallels to the NWO that they openly acknowledge. You do the whole two sweet thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, you've got these super over T-shirts where, you know, once upon a time the NWO had the best T-shirts in the business. In fact, I just bought an NWO T-shirt like two weeks ago because they were so nice. obvious. Uh, Bullet Club <laughs> has great T-shirts. No, they're awesome. Bullet Club has great T-shirts too, but I feel like that's what it's come down to is that now everybody wants to be part of the Bullet Club, not necessarily for the storyline or because it makes sense because it's like I really want to sell T-shirts that you know, they can say Cody Rhodes but in the shape of a Bullet Club. And I, and yeah. I do think it's getting done. It's protected it so well in Japan, which, you know, storytelling and Japan does a good job of keeping their storyline simple and digestible, but this is getting out of control with the Bullet Club. I agree. I, I just I, I keep thinking of like the NWOB team – theme song uh when i think of the bullet club now i mean everybody with like conan and like vk wall street right. and like uh horse hogan yeah i'm waiting for them to join the bullet club horse hogan yeah exactly yeah it was just i mean uh, yeah, I, I'm, you know, the Bullet Club looked like a couple of years ago was, I mean, it was really good. And even last year, around this time last year is when Omega joined uh, and uh, kicked AJ out. Actually, uh, it was right, it was around December because uh, AJ, um, he got kicked out around, I think it was like December or November of uh, 2015, uh, right before he came to the uh, Royal Rumble. And so, yeah, I mean, that it was still good when Omega um, led it. Cole, when Cole led it, I mean, eh, you know, it, it's like you have your American version with, like, uh, Cole at, at the helm. Uh, you know, now you have Kazarian there. And, I mean, uh, it, it's just – it doesn't do anything for Kazarian. It's not like a big woo factor now. Like, oh, I mean, the fact that he was with, with Christopher Daniels, who's a good friend of mine, and, and, and the fact that they were tag team for a long time, I mean, I see it from a standpoint of um, 
of Kazarian joining the Bullet Club for the sake of Christopher Daniels, you know, being more of a babyface role. He hasn't been the babyface, right. single babyface in quite some time. And so, right. you know, he's 46 years old, about to be, you know, about to be 40, uh, he's about to be 47 this year, if I'm not mistaken. And Almost 50. So, yeah, and so it's like he's never won a major world championship. So with that, I think that they're just kind of having Kazarian join for the sake of really bumping up the babyface role of Christopher Daniels, which I'm cool with. I think Christopher Daniels is a fantastic – yeah, he's about to be yeah. 47 next month, actually. Um, uh, he's a fantastic wrestler. He's one of the best still uh, at, at nearly 50. Uh, and he's never won a major championship. So I think this is a time, you know, he's still very, very good. And I think, uh, you know, it's good for that sake, but just a Bullet Club, you know, a Bullet Club in general is just uh, – it's diluting by the person. <laughs> the the newest person that joins, it's just like, ah, okay. Yeah, it really shout, doesn't matter much up, anymore. Shout out to the other over oversaturated faction, the corporate ministry. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> the corporate ministry is one of the worst concepts in the history of of oh my gosh it was you can't for their own good yeah yeah yeah, yeah absolutely <laughs> yeah I I had to bring this up I had to bring it yes yes I had to do it <laughs> you know what I think I think I'm, I have to take my truck to the shop tomorrow morning I'm gonna drive to the to the auto to the auto shop blasting it. And I dance on the humble one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like when they're going to the, the they say, We'll be right back. Like this would be the background music. Right. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah Tony Shavani would just be right over it, right? Yeah. Oh, we gotta go. Time. <laughs> yeah. We gotta go. Um, the greatest <laughs> match in the history of WCW. Right. And then, uh, and yeah, I'll tell you what, Shivani had some of the best cliffhangers ever. I mean, he was like the man when it came to cliffhangers. I always remember when Sting would come out in the Raptors, and I mean, they really respected the the, the cutoff of the time, and it was just, the cliff the cliffhangers for Nitro was absolutely impeccable yeah. to me. You would have the NWO jump someone like the Giant, and then Sting yeah, would come was... down from the Raptors, and then, and then there's Shivani's cue, we gotta go! And it'll be like right at like eleven o'clock, and then Sting will come down to Raptors, and then and then it'll be gone. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I gotta wait till next it, week. You know, the it, cliffhangers were absolutely amazing. It's it's not not only that, and ho- hopefully, AK, if y'all both for Harlem Heat, and y'all both Steve Ray Booker T, and then I guess it makes me uh, my buddy Ahmed Johnson, which you're not too proud of. <laughs> 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 black, black history, bro. You are significantly <laughs> smaller than Ahmed Johnson. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, and shout out to you. You know, you say Stevie Ray and oh, man, I'm friends with both of them. So I'm going to use my words correctly because I know Stevie. Yeah. I just talked to Stevie Ray the other day. He's not whipping my tail at all. <laughs> but. Um, it, it, Nitro never ended. It was always to be continued, like the old action yeah. cartoon in the nineties. Remember that was always to be continued, exactly. and he always and, and he always played because Turner owned, unlike Raw and USA, Turner owned the station and owned mm-hmm. Nitro. So they always say, yeah. "Well, we got an extra ten minutes," and and never before that you see the caption of Nitro, and then it would tease you like an extra five minutes, ten minutes, and there's right. so many times where. 
we still have no clue what happened with Sting and the NWO. How many right. times was Savage going to get glad dropped by Hogan? Yeah. You know, yeah. spray paint. And so, like, and, and real quick, Shivani was, was sarcastic. I'm uh, speaking above. Uh, Buff Bagel facing Luger one time on Nitro, and then Buff looks at the camera, which which a lot of people don't do anymore. And Buff looked at it breaking the fourth wall and said, "I'm the total package." And Tony Tony says, "Man, we still know who is." The, the little mm-hmm. comments that he used to do, you know, do and you know, they said Shivani's great. I, uh, Ring of Honor, Ring of Honor. We need to pray down, pray for that resurrection. He, he call up Sinclair, call up Tony Shivani. Get Tony Schiavone and Ring of Honor, and I'll definitely be watching Ring of Honor every week again. I like Ring of Honor, but I tell you what, it would it would it would be kayfabe like no kayfabe before. Yeah, do you think Tony Schiavone would fit in that environment? I do not. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. Just just imagine Schiavone calling super kicks from the Young Bucks. That would just be absolutely (laughs) hilarious. I would pay for that. (laughs) You got gotta love it. I'm glad. I'm glad uh, Don West, my man Don West, is back. Get him on commentary, cause uh, you know, oh my God, every he, he the body uh, and the Don West. That would be a very, <laughs> very interesting. Oh, I love Don West. <laughs> yeah. He do yeah, a he do one movie, do a snap man. Oh, it's a snap man. Oh, yeah. cross body. Can't believe it tonight. Yeah, absolutely. Can't believe it tonight. It's a high poke. A high poke. <laughs> Alright, for the second Did time, uh, let's talk about, Go ahead, go ahead, Alfred there's, there's, there's this clip with Don West Where it was, I guess it was a Raven match and It was a hardcore match And there was this big spot And he goes, oh, he meant to say, look at the horror And he goes, look at the horror yeah. And they cut the girl <laughs> Yeah Look at the horror Oh my goodness! Yeah, yeah, and he probably, you know, he probably was one. He probably realized that he did it and just ran with it, you know, just <laughs> and like, oh, <laughs> yeah. Every time yeah, AJ, yeah, I don't know about you guys, but uh, every time AJ to this day does the pay like uh, me and my buddies, we always go, "That's a pay like, that pay yeah. like." Every time he does, that's yeah, the he called the pay like perfectly. I loved it. Yeah, he did that perfectly. So our so my guy Thaddeus Teddy Long man I, I uh, yeah I, I have the utmost respect for Teddy Long man he is the, yeah. the quintessential and, and you know this is Black History Month yeah and uh, we have we have three African Americans on the show tonight uh, and and it it just feels it just feels so right to me just I mean, he is the quintessential story of an African American thirty five years ago. Uh, just wanting a job, and, and you know, I, I, I remember watching his uh, um, just his story on Legends of Wrestling uh, when they used to do the roundtable, the Legends of the Roundtable, right. and uh, you know, he was talking about how he was uh, a roadie, and you know, then he you know uh, put together <clears throat> he he, he uh, got the robes, and then he you know put together the ring, and I mean, he just he just really climbed the ladder and just you know just showed people that. You know, it, it, when it when it comes to you know this country and just period, just dreams has no color, you know, and it, dreams have no color. And if you really want to do something, it, it doesn't matter where you're at, who you are, what color you are. If you have a dream, it it it's going to work if you keep pushing at it. Now you, you know there might be some opportunities that may be favored toward someone else or some someone someone no or some. It, 
all that doesn't matter when it comes to the fact that you want to achieve your dreams. You're going to do whatever you need to do to get there, and you're patient in the process. And I respect the heck out of Taylor Long. You know, the dude went from being you know, somebody's roadie, and he was saying he did not get paid a dime the first six months of him having anything to do with wrestling. And I still didn't stop him from continuing to go on being one of the most successful general managers, managers, and now he is well-deserved in the Hall of Fame. What are your thoughts, Alfred? I love it. I, I think this is phenomenal. And if you look at the stable of wrestlers who either he managed or he rode with or whatnot, I mean, we're talking The Undertaker, JBL, uh, you know, Ron Simmons. Uh, he, he just had such a great stable, and he was so good. I, I, as much as I love Teddy Long, and you know, people are going to remember him as this kind of, you know, fun-loving GM, longest tenure GM in SmackDown history, which I think is a great accomplishment. But I loved the thugging and bugging era. I thought that was one of the greatest things that. I've seen in the modern era. Nick Militant. Yeah, man. If you think of even one where like wrestling wasn't TVPG, the stuff that they would let him get away with saying, <laughs> the yeah, hardest thing true. I've ever laughed at wrestling. He was talking about Shawn Michaels, and he's like, "And I want HK, the heartbreak cracker." <laughs> but he's yeah. like, he's so good. He's one of those yeah, guys, and this is rare talents who, who would take he would take nothing and he would turn it into something. And he was always getting the most out of everything he did. Fuck Teddy Long. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Evan, what are your thoughts? <clears throat> I don't, I don't want to seem like I'm, I'm always referring to the older references with you guys. I'm not sure who's the oldest here. I think Featherstone got me by a couple years, but um, <laughs> I go, I go further. I remember Teddy Long and, and, and Featherstone. We're good friends with Teddy Long. Teddy Long was on my show. Actually, shout out Teddy Long will be in my area. Um, we had a local show, I believe, in two weeks. Um, I remember Teddy when he had no teeth in his mouth, and he brought the do. And I told Teddy, brother, he brought the do rags in the pro wrestling. Nobody yeah. wore do rag in pro wrestling than Teddy yeah. Long. Yep. Nine, I'm talking yep. 1980s NWA when the programs was like 11 by 17s. I still got them here at my house. And and I told Teddy Long he bust all legs. Said brother, you know, you know I, that's true. I, I remember even before he managed, and me and my mom, Mama Tech had a conversation about this too because she got me into wrestling. Teddy Long was a manager. I mean, I'm sorry, was a referee. So I remember mm-hmm. Teddy Long in the NWA as a referee first. He was the only black referee I knew. You only knew two referees growing up back in the day. It was Tommy Young, who was a sliding referee. And, yeah, he was uh, a dusty finish referee. Yeah, 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 it was, yeah. It was Tommy Young, and it was Teddy Teddy Long as the black referee in WWE. You had to happen this, or Joey Morales. So I'm, I, you know, and then when Teddy was a referee, he was great. Then managing Dean with Butch Reed and Ron Simmons, and um, you remember Ice Train and Scott Norton and yeah. BJ Walker, Hallway yeah. Bobby Walker. I'm sorry, I'm going way back. So you know, Teddy Long was just great man. He went for referee. The manager, back the referee in WWE, the manager again, the SmackDown GM. He just was one great man. I, one of my favorites of all times. Some we don't have many people to look up to. Um, keeping it as you say, a hundred. We as black black brothers, black people, was not too many positive influences or many people we can look up to as far as in the industry within the modern era. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, I'm proud of him. Shout out to brother Slick too, man. All we have yeah. is Slick and Theodore yeah. Long. I'm sorry, Theodore Paul Long. 
Yeah, exactly. Jive Soul Bro, you know. <laughs> so shout out to Theodore All Long, which was the the the, the, the government and then uh you know, called him Thaddeus as uh, King Book used to call him. Young Thaddeus, that's right. <laughs> Book high. Thaddeus. Absolutely. <laughs> Uh, all right, so uh, let's uh, let's combine uh, your thoughts of uh, Elimination Chamber, Raw, and SmackDown in one fell swoop for each. Now let's start with uh, Tech with uh, Evan, and uh, just uh, take a, a little bit of time and let us know your thoughts on uh, EC and Raw and SmackDown. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, Elimination Chamber was was a good show. Uh, I don't remember last time WWE. Had a, a program with three women's matches. Uh, overall, the show was very well done. Uh, Harper and, and Orton was was very well, very well done. I definitely love uh, anything that Harper does. His ball spots oh, yeah. grows uh, more and more each week. Um, <clears throat> Naomi winning the women's title, loved it. Revy Black History Month or not, she deserved it. Um, I thought the uh, tag titles was okay. Little too much that went on, but okay. I thought the chamber match was good. I, the, the new look at the chamber, some people hated it. I understood it as far as keeping the boys safe. Uh, chamber match was very well done, one of the better chambers. Glad Bray finally won it this two years too late, I would say. Um, didn't like how the, I, I, I didn't like how the Miz got carried. I, I, you build the Miz off as getting strong and getting a push, and he gets eliminated by one AA. Yeah. But yet, Cena kicks out of Styles Clash and. Everybody else kicks out. Everybody else's finisher. But uh, Lindsay Chamber enjoyed the show. Still don't get the full man commentary. And it seems like WWE adds a new country every week to that announce table. <laughs> but um, Raw, I literally just was watching the uh, main event of Raw as we was um, on the show. Uh, main event match was solid. Um, Owens and Jericho segment was okay. Uh, I, I did like the emotional pull of. The little spur when Jericho gets the gift and is like, wait, you know, my name's on this list. I do like that. But um, well, Raw, Raw was Raw was okay. I, I, I'm glad to see the women still getting the main event of Raw. Um, still trying to figure out when it's is Stephanie McMahon a heel or she a face. Hmm. So in SmackDown, I didn't really get to see much of it because I was live. I, from what I caught, SmackDown seems like a decent show. I did get word that Orton uh, kneeled in front of Wyatt. I'm still trying to understand you guys the explanation of why it wouldn't even join the Wyatt family. I don't think we ever got it, but I don't think it matters anymore. So uh, he said, "If you he said if you can't beat them, join them." That's basically that's a cop out. That's a cop out. Because like we don't we don't hear anymore about that brain disease that he had uh, a few years ago. Remember that he was facing Triple H. Mm-hmm. He got diagnosed with that brain disorder that uh, he just so happened to get cured from. But yeah. uh. Yeah. Just like Vincent Mann got cured from getting blown up in a yeah, yeah. The car. Yeah. <laughs> wrestlers, 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 and wrestling <laughs> talent are invincible somehow. Yeah. yeah. Just like the giant got cured from falling off a multi-story building. So, yeah, when he yeah. got pushed down by Hogan, yeah, that was that was odd yeah. as well. You know, for good, uh, there's an ironclad <laughs> contract too. Big Show's yeah. an ironclad contract, which doesn't yeah. matter anymore. Alfred, what are your thoughts? Um, I thought Elimination Chamber was a very good show. I thought it was a hot crowd. We saw more Black History with Naomi winning the SmackDown Women's Championship. I, you know, I like that match. 
I, I really loved the Nikki Bella versus Natalia match. I thought they did a really, really good job. That was one of the best matches, I think, on the night. Um, and then, um, you know, the tag team turmoil match was pretty good. But I, I really thought that the Elimination Chamber was very well booked. I know, um, Evan, you said you didn't like how the Miz was booked. I actually thought that was, like, the most Miz booking I've seen. And that's a good thing. Like, that he came in, did the most heelish thing he could do, which is just steal mm-hmm. a pinfall. He mm-hmm. caught Daniel Bryan with all of his moves, and then all of a sudden he, he gets shown up, and he gets his comeuppance, and everybody's happy. Like, and, and it's just such a great, like, subtle yeah, heel thing to do to where he just comes in, gets everybody pissed off, and then gets eliminated immediately because he deserves it. And, and you know, I don't think it really hurt him. But, yeah, I'm a big fan of Miz, so I, you know, I, I never liked seeing him get pinned. But, I, you know, I thought Elimination Chamber was great, how you start out with John Cena versus AJ Styles, just ride that wave of momentum from Royal Rumble, and uh, they – didn't disappoint, and the fans were very happy to see Bray Wyatt win, even though um, you know people have read that that was going to happen. So, very good booking on that end. Um, I thought Raw was good too. I really loved the the, the you know what is it, the Carnival of Friendship? Is that what they called it? Festival um, of Friendship. Festival of Friendship. That, I thought it was very funny. I mean, it did drag a little bit, but it was it, the, the laughs were big laughs, especially with the right. Jericho. Art of him and Kevin Owens doing right. the Adam and Eve hilarious. And like disappointed that this is where they chose to have Kevin Owens turn on Jericho. I thought it came too soon. Um, yeah. You know, and, and but because I legitimately felt bad for Chris Jericho. Like I, I kind of was, you know, and is somebody as you guys can attest to who covers wrestling, it's kind of hard to to be attached to those types of emotions. But you know, I felt bad for Chris Jericho, so it means that they're doing something right, and I'll be rooting for him against Kevin Owens. And then you know, SmackDown. I thought WWE had a good run of shows, and SmackDown might have come down a little bit. Um, nothing really too newsworthy. Uh, you know, Bray and Randy, I think they're going to play it very well where every week they're going to descend and then finally it's going to lead to an RKO on Bray Wyatt that everybody's going to pop huge for. So I think they're playing that correctly. But, you know, I think it's been a good week of WWE programming. I thought uh, Elimination Chamber was pretty solid. Um, yeah. I, I'm a big Naomi fan. I, I'm glad I'm glad that she won the title. I wish that she would have chased it, though, especially having, you know, it being in Orlando. I wish that uh, somehow it would have been a dirty finish and she would have actually got the, her moment. I mean, her first championship. That was that was my biggest uh, critique. I think both champions were too premature. I think Naomi and Bailey uh, were both premature. Uh, and it just kind of seems like, you know, it just really kind of seems like I, all the people I've interviewed – uh, most of them say that, that that booking is from week to week, and I just can't stand that because that's not how it used to be. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. I just wish that I just wish that when you have stuff like that, I mean, because the problem is when you have stuff like that a lot, uh, that's when you have all the multiple title changes. Like we see that with the Raws uh, um, division now, the Raw Women's division. I mean, Ch- uh, um, uh, Charlotte, she just wanted it. Uh, uh, Robach, you know, in the line, you know, in less than two, you know, and two months later, she, you know, she, um, she loses it to, uh, to Bailey, you know, and it's like, you know, all the her and Sasha hot potatoes, and it's just, it takes, it, it to me, it dilutes the prestige and, and the relevance of, of the title if it just keeps going yeah. back and forth like the Intercontinental title used to do, uh, back in the Attitude Era days. Uh, I, I'm not a big fan of that at all. But, you know, I think Elimination Chamber was solid. 
Uh, I think that I'm still not sold on Wyatt. I might be the only one. I'm not sold on Wyatt being champion. I don't think his character is consistent enough. I don't think they've booked him consistent enough for him to be champion leading to WrestleMania. Uh, I think that if Elimination Chamber was like in May or June, I, I would be totally fine with it because it would be a nice little fresh start. Um, but, you know, his first his first title reign with inconsistent uh, character development being right before WrestleMania just to probably lose it to Orton. Uh, not a, not a fan of that at all. So uh, with, with raw, uh, I agree with, I agree with you, Alfred, as far as just, I kind of felt that this, this was going to be the moment where Kevin Owens turned. Uh, However, I do think, you know, it is a bit premature when you're nearly two months out of of, uh, a WrestleMania and a, and a pay-per-view, you know, in between that, uh, maybe it will, maybe Jericho will, will help, uh, Goldberg in a way and maybe distract Owens. So that, that can protect Owens' character in a way. Right. Um, if they do that, you know, that, that could be a case. Um, Rusev losing cleanly to Zane just for Zane to most likely lose cleanly to Joe. I'm not a big fan of that either. So, um, as far as SmackDown's concerned, um, you know, like like you said, uh, Alfred, just nothing too big, nothing very newsworthy. Yeah. I am liking uh, Ambrose and Corbin. I think that's a good match yeah. for yeah, WrestleMania. Yeah, yeah. Uh, especially Cor- especially uh, Corbin winning the Intercontinental Title. I think he's one of the best heels in the entire WWE right now. Oh, I think he should be pushed accordingly. Yeah. Um, no, 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 no. He, yeah, yeah. They're they're further developing Ambrose and Corbin. Uh, right. So it looks right. like, yeah, it looks like <clears throat> that'll be at WrestleMania, which I'm totally fine with. Hey, All right. So the like, Ducks. like, the, the, yeah, 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 like right. he looks fun for the Mighty Ducks. You know, yeah. <laughs> Ambrose. It was like Mighty Ducks three. Ambrose was a was was it a high school college kid that was fighting them in yeah. D three. It's just like that. So, I remember the Mighty Ducks back then. And remember, day. Triple H did talk to Owens before, so we got to think. Yeah, that was well, why, weird. Why, yeah, why, it was. Well, yeah, but what, what, uh, what were Owens? Because remember, Triple H is the reason why Owens became champ. Right. Of Rollins, and now, you know, uh, Samoa Joe is his boy. So we got to wonder, like, what exactly. And I, let's please don't let us see a Triple H Jericho match. I hope not. We don't need no rematch of WrestleMania oh, no. 18. Are you serious? See that no way. Slam, Jericho, Jericho, Jericho. <laughs> no. I really hope that they don't do that whatsoever. <laughs> we don't even need because... Triple H in this storm. Like, what is he doing? Like, I feel like WWE just realized that Triple H crowned Kevin Owens a champion, and Kevin Owens was supposed to be aligned with Triple H, but, like, this is the first time they've interacted since then, and mm-hmm. it was unnecessary. Like, Triple H has already seen with Rollins, and you got Joe in there. Kevin Owens and Chris Jericho don't need anything else in that feud. I don't know what Triple H is going to be doing with this feud, but I, I don't think it's going to be good. I think it might. I think that might have just been a one-off type of deal with Raw. I think it was he was just kind of uh, manipulating Owens to say, you know, I helped you. You know, we'll probably see a promo on it next next week on Raw. You know, him saying that, uh, you know, I, I helped Triple H. Help me, you know, he was talking to me and, you know, I've been, you know, I haven't done him justice, uh, you know, I've been, you know, this and that, you know, there, there's, it'll probably just be squandered, you know, in just one promo. So, all right, real quick, ladies and gentlemen, we got uh, the Flavor of the Week coming up. 
it is now time for the flavor of the week. Right, every one of us have uh, our three desired matches to happen at WrestleMania 23. The card's pretty much locked in, but if we could shuffle it a little bit, this is what we would have done. So we'll start with Evan. Number oh, three. Me first. Still going to say Sting and Take. I'm not giving up on it. <laughs> oh, Lord. But, uh, I would, uh, guess, that's, 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 a spot. that's a spot there. I would say, um, currently, uh, seeing against Undertaker will be big. Mm-hmm. That will be box office. Um, oh, man. Uh, you got me on the spot. Um, Joe, uh, if they, they build Joe good enough, um, Goldberg, no, not be Goldberg. We get Goldberg against Joe, or then maybe Brock against Joe. Will go well, and um, I don't know. You got me on this one. You got me for mm. any kind of thing. I can't. I can't think of a third one right now. We come back to me. All right, we'll come back to you in the third one. What you got, Alfred? I'd love to see Braun Strowman against uh, Brock Lesnar. Either Brock or Goldberg would be great, but I think uh, they could have split off with Braun Strowman and Brock Lesnar. It could have been a very interesting match. One of those heavyweight clashes that if Brock Lesnar loses to Braun Strowman, you know, the guy is made. And that's what's up, something WWE hasn't been able to do is, you know, create that next-level new star uh, consistently at WrestleMania. They usually just rely on the part-timers. And I, but for the same reasons, I would like to see Goldberg against Roman Reigns. I thought there was a lot of heat there when they did the stare down a couple months ago and, and teased that. I think that would be a very interesting match. Uh, it's obviously one that you'd have to keep short, but, uh, you know, people would be behind Goldberg and they could boo Roman Reigns if they want, but it would be a very intriguing match for the same reason that I think Roman Reigns and Undertaker is going to be intriguing. But I'll tell you one match that I want to see more than anything right now, and it's very cruel for WWE to be teasing it as well as they are. Daniel Bryan versus The Miz seems mm. like it's on its way to being a WrestleMania main event. And I, for the life of me, like, it's one thing to kind of subtly tease that they have friction. What they're doing with this storyline, it's almost as if they have – it's going to culminate in a WrestleMania match. With uh, The Miz is constantly saying, Daniel Bryan, you can't wrestle. He's constantly stealing his moves. And as a heel, he should be the guy doing that because eventually Daniel Bryan's going to come back and prove him wrong. But, I mean, it doesn't sound like that's what's going to happen anytime soon because WWE pretty much forced him to retire and whatnot. But, boy, do I want to see Daniel Bryan versus The Miz more than anything. I mean, they ever since that promo The Miz cut last summer, which is one of the best promos I've ever seen in my life, you know, they haven't let up of the momentum of that promo and that feud. And, but, you know, it's leading to nothing. But that's the WrestleMania match that I think we need to see. Yeah, I agree. All right, so we have um, – <clears throat> did you figure out something yet, Evan? Yeah, with AK, Miz and Daniel Bryan definitely will be great. You know I mean? The way they booked the Miz since that promo definitely elevated the Miz, um, Miz career. And you got to Daniel Bryan can wrestle. We said it before. I mean, I know. they can do it. They'll be stop being chickens. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think that would be fantastic. I like Goldberg Reigns, too. That would have been like my fourth choice. Uh, number yeah. three to me is uh, uh, Rusev versus Kurt Angle. I think that uh, I think that that Rusev was most likely has. I mean, it doesn't seem like he has anything to do right now with the, with the WWE, especially losing cleanly to Sami Zayn out of anyone. Um, and and I think that uh, you know 
Do you have enough time to, to bring Angle back and, uh, you know, do a good build and, and have Rusev, uh, you know, go against Angle? I mean, whoever wins. Rusev came out in the tape. Remember that? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was, yeah, that was something else. Um, yeah, so I mean, I, I think I think him and Angle would do great. I think if you you know you haven't really had the anti-American thing from Rusev recently, I think I think Rusev's work on the mic is, is hilarious and on Twitter, he's hilarious and handsome Rusev. I think that's funny. Does anybody know how he why he's wearing the mask? Broke his nose. He legit broke his nose. Did he really? Like when? Where? Yeah. I think it was Kofi. I think Kofi um, yeah, uh, cut Kofi a potato and broke his nose. Oh wow! You know what? I think I might have heard about that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that's because I remember it was like the Royal Rumble, and I was uh, with a bunch of people, and we're like, uh, "Did we miss something? <laughs> did he really break, break his nose?" Um, so yeah, that's. And they're still not. He broke his nose, and he's not even involved in the storyline. They don't give him time off, but they give Cena time off. I guess that's how the echelon works. Yeah. Anyways, uh, (laughs) number two. um, See, the the thing is with Lesnar and Strowman, um, it it sounds good, but I cannot stand. Non, I, I don't like non distinctions of faces and heels. I do not like that. If you have two right. faces, I'm cool with that. If you have a face versus heel, traditional, I mean, I'm even better with it. But as long as we know who you are, I mean, I can't stand all these tweeners nowadays. I mean, I just think it just this really dilutes what professional wrestling is all about when you just have people saying, you know, um, <clears throat> I, cheering like Anaheim it was An- Anaheim made a non-wrestling fan very confused if they watched it the first time they would like they would they would think that Bray Wyatt Dolph Ziggler uh, are the baby faces <laughs> you know what I mean and it's like right. it, it's hard to distinguish when it comes to these crowds I, I just do not like how people just aren't distinctively baby faces or heels and you know so many people like uh, I think Vince Russo said, you know, there's no such thing. Okay, yeah, wrestling's a, a, a real-life comic book. So that's like the same thing as saying Batman or Superman isn't a clear-cut baby face. And, you know, the Green right. Goblin or the Joker isn't or aren't heels. That just this doesn't make sense. Uh, so I'm not a big fan of that. So that's the reason why I wouldn't do Lesnar and Strowman unless, you know, Lesnar's a baby face, but I think he's a better heel. So I'll do Goldberg Strowman instead because uh, Goldberg's a very clear-cut babyface. And then my number one is uh, uh, Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar. I want to see that version too, but I want to see Roman yeah. Reigns win because Brock Lesnar, he's put no one over new. He's lost to Triple H, yeah. John Cena, The Undertaker since he's been back. Four years. He's put no one over new. As we saw with Dean Ambrose, he doesn't care. So, I mean, I just... He needs to put someone over. So that, those those are my three. Uh, lo, final thoughts, uh, final thoughts, Alfred, and let us know where we can find you. That's great to be here. Uh, I would. There's nowhere else I'd want to spend my Valentine's Day. You guys have made my Valentine's Day. Follow me on Twitter at Nasty 
uh, Alfred Cuddle the uh, Third. Like, uh, like Chris said at the top, uh, I'll be doing post shows for the Raw SmackDown and pay per view. So go on Sports Kita and Bleach Report and all that good stuff, guys. Thanks for having me. This is a lot of fun. Awesome. Uh, have a good night, man. Thanks a lot for being on the show. Evan, uh, thanks, man, for being on the show once again this week. Once again, let everybody know where we can find you. Follow Under the Mat Radio every Tuesday night, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on Blog Talk Radio on the YouTube page, Under the Mat Radio. Check us out at Under the Mat Radio, Instagram, Facebook, and email. Let everybody know we do have famed musician and author. Daryl Davis will be on our show March 7th on uh, the Tuesday, 7 p.m. Eastern Time. He wrote his book on clandestine relationships, a black man's um, viewpoint going into the Ku Klux Klan. He just was on uh, Steve Harvey's show. He's not a Ku Klux Klan member, but he definitely uh, got a... It's a good book. Please read it. Please listen to it about racism and what's going on in the world today. Awesome, man. Thanks a lot, Evan. A special shout-out to my lovely wife, Mark Tiffany. uh, Valentine's Day and yeah, it's my Valentine. It's my girl forever, my lovely wife, and uh, she's amazing. And uh, we're amazing as a couple. And uh, I thank God for her. So uh, Valentine's Day is was about a half an hour ago, but uh, cool. there you go. <laughs> all right, ladies and gentlemen, God bless you all, and uh, thanks for for Laura Van Ness. Thanks for everybody. You have a great night. God bless. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.